0: I want to give you a few updates on the summer. Obviously, uh, man, y'all got to hear from Dakota last week, who the Lord spoke through so clearly. Aren't y'all thankful for Dakota's preaching? Amen. Can we make some noise for that? Absolutely. Amen. And uh, so blessed by that. We have been uh, walking through the Redemption Tour series this summer, and it's been very, very fruitful what we've seen God do with this series. But I also want to let you know that uh, some of you guys saw on social media, and we may have some pictures that will come up in a moment. A lot of our team was out last week, and we were serving in Denver, Colorado. Here's a few pictures from the trip. We had the great blessing last week to go for year two and partner with Journey Point Church in Denver, Colorado. And what we did, while there's the church right there. What we did while we were in Journey Point, uh, at Journey Point is we helped them lead out with a kid's camp. We did community ministry, and we learned all about the culture and environment of Denver, Colorado, which is a very unreached group. And uh, as I said, this was our second year, and we saw kids get saved. Our team operated in a fantastic job, and we grew in many, many areas. But we were very blessed to be a part of what they're doing in Denver, Colorado. You'll see a lot of our students on the screen of what God did. Obviously, me and my wife were on this trip as well, and it was a fantastic week. Um, I just want to tell you, the western part of the United States is a very lost region in America. In fact, it's the third most uh, unreached people group in the world is the western part of the United States. And so cities like Denver, Colorado, cities like Los Angeles, California, San Diego, California, Seattle, uh, Portland, so many cities out west are quite literally unreached people group. So I know you, if you were here last summer, you heard these statistics. I'll give them to you right now, though. Why, why we were in Denver is because of this right here. In Denver, Colorado, there is one church for every 32,000 people. 32,000 people which is an alarming difference compared to the South, whereas here in Memphis, we have one for every 800. Denver is very unreached. It's a very unreached people group. And while we we were doing this kids' camp, I'll go ahead and tell you guys, we were in contact with many kids whose majority of the kids that came to this camp whose families were not believers. And so these kids are hearing the gospel, thankfully, praise the Lord, and then they're going back to families who are not in any way interested in church or religion or Jesus Christ for that matter. And that's why we go on that trip to go out there and to serve and to connect and to share the gospel and to help Chris Phillips, who came from Bellevue Baptist Church, was his sending church, to help him in the ministry that he's doing out there. And I want to encourage you, if you are feeling called to go, the best thing to do when God says go is what? Go. And uh, whatever that looks like for you, listen to the Lord and follow him. At Bellevue, we have a ton of options to get involved options in terms of life groups, options in terms of community, options in terms of bellevue members to serve around the city, but also to go, whether that be nationally or internationally. One of the students I'll mention who will have his share, him share his testimony when he's back in August is Fernando. Anybody know Fernando? and love Fernando in here. Amen. mean, yeah. Fernando is one of the most lovable people I've ever met on this planet, right underneath my wife. And so I love Fernando, and he is, uh, he is serving in Peru right now, and he has been there all summer and uh, we have been in contact with him he preached a sermon completely in spanish not too long ago and he is a bellevue college ministry student he is a view student his first time at the view was uh, summer 2019 when he stepped in as a first time guest and now this summer he's given up his entire summer to go serve in peru and uh, you'll hear his testimony in august but he is right now on the battlefield um, just as we have uh, Abigail Reed. I know some of you have know Abigail Reed. And uh, let's make some noise for her too as well. Amen. I know Kayla's going to make some noise. Better make some noise. Kayla better make some noise. And uh, Abigail right now, I'm obviously, honestly very jealous. I know I didn't say this with Fernando, but I'll say it with Abigail. I'm very jealous because she's serving in New York City. Um, Her mission field is Central Park, so she's suffering for the gospel, obviously. And uh, no, jokes aside, though, Central Park is amazing. New York is amazing. But here, I'll tell you this, there's 22 million people in New York City, and 21 million are lost. So while they have business and they have all the different things with career and opportunities in the world, it is a very dark and lost city, a city that me and my wife have both been to. And she is serving on the ground right there in New York. You'll hear her testimony in August as well. She's killing it. And obviously we have three who are in Denver that we just partnered with as well. And so God is really doing a special work here in our ministry. But I want to encourage you that God is expanding the view tent to reach the nation and the world. How cool is that? College students who came to this very ministry right here, some of them got saved. Abigail was baptized last summer. Some of them got saved in this ministry and now are serving across the country and across the world. Our missions pastor always says, if you will put your yes on the table, God will put your yes on the map. And if you are in prayer about what God may be doing in your life, we would love to have a conversation with you because there are tons of opportunities to serve locally, nationally, and internationally. And so praise the Lord for what he did last week in Denver. And this is one of the best transitions I could ever have because I want to talk to you about an opportunity you have next week that we've been talking about the last few weeks. I'm going to push it very much tonight the western part of the United States is amazing, but how many of you know that we live in a broken, broken city right here? How many of you know that Memphis needs Jesus, amen? It's not that we lack churches. We have enough churches in Memphis, Tennessee. The difference is we lack disciples and disciple makers to go reach the city of Memphis. And I love our city. I love the city of Memphis. I've been here my entire life, 28 years to be exact, born and raised here in Memphis. And there is brokenness, there is poverty, there is division, there is... Lostness all across the city of Memphis. Does that stir anything in your heart? Let me ask you a tough question. Do you care about the city of Memphis? There's some people who are like, man, I can't wait to get out of the city of Memphis. There's some people like, man, I'm not going into the tough parts of Memphis. I'm staying right here. There's some of us who really are hardened towards Memphis. I want to ask you, do you care about the city we're in right now? Because if you do, there's something you can do about it. And it starts a week from today. So I want to let you know, what we've been talking about is Mission Memphis. Because that is our mission first. Memphis, Tennessee. And so next week we have a in town mission trip that you can serve on and you can be a part of if you'd like to. We are going to be serving from Monday to Thursday. We talked about this, but I want to give it to you again in case you have forgotten. We're going to be serving from nine AM to four P.M. Monday to Thursday next week. And you can come with us and serve. We would love to have you. We really would. I will be there. My wife will be there. Delaney, McKenzie, and Dakota will all be there. We would love to have you come and serve with us. What we're going to be doing, you might ask. That's a great question. Thanks for asking. You didn't ask, but I'll give it to you anyway. We're going to be doing some construction work and some manual labor across the Sin Relief Center so that the Sin Relief Center can operate the way it needs to in the city. Some of you have met Pastor Sean, who's over the Sin Relief Ministry. He has an incredible vision for the center, but the center needs a lot of work. And that's where college students can come in and help next week Get it up to where it needs to be so that they can begin operating in the capacity God is calling them to. And so it's a really cool opportunity to help the city of Memphis and to serve the Lord. And quite frankly, serve Pastor Sean, who has been a great blessing to us anytime we have partnered with him. But not only that, here's what's really cool about next week. With the project, maybe you can only come one day. We'll take you. As I said, it's Monday to Thursday. Maybe you say, Daniel, I can only come on Tuesday. Come out. We would love to have you. Maybe you can do Monday, Wednesday. I don't know what it is. Maybe you want to do all four days, Monday to Thursday. I'll be there all four days, 9 to 4. Come on. Whatever you can give, we will take. We just want to go out to Raleigh and get to know that community, pray over that community, build relationships with that community. And so before I talk, I'm going to talk about our service in a minute. But if right now you are interested in serving, our, the link to this registration is in our Instagram bio. And uh, you can use this QR code as well. And I would encourage you, the registration closes Wednesday. We won't be taking registration after Wednesday. And that's a hard Wednesday. There is no calling us Saturday night, Sunday night, saying, hey, I changed my mind. I want to do it. Like, we need to know now if you want to come and serve. And I know that God is stirring in some of your hearts to get out of your comfort zone and come and serve. Here's a great opportunity. Let's both get out of our comfort zone and serve together. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Here's what it looks like for the week. $10. What that gets you is a T-shirt, breakfast, and lunch each day. And you get to serve. $10. bucks. is not that incredible? My spell creating opportunities to serve. You'll build relationships with people you never would have met. You'll get to know Pastor Sean, who is fantastic in every way, one of the godliest men I've ever met. And it will be an incredible week to serve the city of Memphis. So, man, the link's in our bio. Tonight, if you want to, please commit to it. Please come out and serve with us. What's crazy about it, what I love is that this time next week, the view will not be here. But the view will be meeting. We're going view mobile. Amen? We are picking up and we are moving. The View is going to meet next Monday night at 7 o'clock, except we are doing a joint worship service with Dwelling Place Church and Pastor Leon. The church where the Sin Relief Center is. So what's so cool is not only are we helping improve the church, improve the center, but we are going to go out there and do a joint service with all of their members. And I got to tell you, it's going to be an incredible night. Alan, Jeff, and Harmony are all coming to lead worship, but we're also partnering with their choir to do gospel worship that night in the heart of Raleigh to worship with their church members and it is going to be an incredible night. Can we make some noise for that? Amen. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. This place is, I love this location. It is seven minutes from where I grew up. It is one of the most fantastic communities that there is to be a part of. And you have a chance, even if you can't serve, to come out next Monday night at seven o'clock for our view service and we will be with Dwelling Place Church. I'll do a little bit of preaching. Their pastor's going to do a little bit of preaching. And we're going to have an incredible night praising the Lord. So listen, even if you can't come serve, hear me right now. If you're asleep, wake up. Next Monday night at 7 p.m. The View is happening, but not here. It's happening, and we can get you the address. It'll be all over social media at Dwelling Place Church and the Sin Relief Center with their congregation. And they are pumped to get to know you, and they are pumped to worship alongside you. Bring anybody you want, come out next week, come worship with us. It's going to be incredible. And so, God's up to some cool stuff. God bless you. There's the first one of the night, 741, starting early. I'm excited for what tonight will look like. Uh, I'm not necessarily preaching a sermon tonight, but I do want to walk through a few things with you. I want to tie our series together, our Redemption Tour series together. And I wanted tonight to give you some moments of prayer. Obviously, you can sense tonight is a different night, and uh, we are well aware that everybody is as busy as can be right now. Anybody feel busy right now, right? It's crazy. I see hands across the room. Some of you are like, nah, I've been sleeping in every day. Well, I bet you're tired from sleeping, so this will be a great relief for you, but I'll tell you what, we, uh, we need to spend time with the Lord, and tonight what I want to do is i want to give you opportunities to pray over specific things, and as we get to that, here's how we're going to do that. We're going to look at Moses' final sermon tonight, and I hope you'll get hyped for this. If you'll open your Bibles with me, find Deuteronomy chapter 30 and 31. Amen? Yeah. Sometime, right? Come on, we're back at it. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to be in two chapters tonight. I don't have any points for you. I know that's very uncharacteristic of me. I always have points and I always have slides, but tonight I do not. Uh, Moses' sermon uh, really speaks for itself. I could have points, but I don't. What I do have is prayer times. And so we're going to look at Deuteronomy 30, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 31. And what we're going to do is we're going to read all of Moses' sermon for the most part, and then we're going to walk back through it and talk about a few things and pray through a few things tonight. My prayer for you is that you will be rejuvenated and restored tonight in a way that maybe is unique and fresh to you. In a way that maybe you are able to just slow down and be with the Lord, not have to do anything. I'll do all the talking. You just get to be with the Lord and you get to talk to the Lord. But I want to lead you in that tonight. And so let me give you a reminder of where we are. We find ourselves at the end of Moses' life. And I have loved walking through uh, Exodus with you guys. Dakota has loved it. Moses' testimony is one of the most powerful testimonies. Where we find Moses at 120 years old tonight. Think back to the beginning of our series when we started in Exodus chapter 3. For the first 40 years of Moses' life, Moses was, obviously, he found himself to be very strong. He was prideful. He was arrogant. In fact, he even killed the Egyptian, right? You remember Moses committed murder. And, and for, at age 40, he was taken all the way out to the wilderness to be a shepherd of sheep for 40 more years. So you have the first, remember, we walked through the timeline. You have the first 40 years of Moses' life where he's trained, he's really confident, he's reliant on himself. And then from 40 to 80, Moses, in his own words, of course, becomes the most meekest man on the planet. He is humbled. He is a lowly shepherd. He has not even, doesn't even have his own flock. He's working with his father-in-law's flock. And so he becomes this lowly, meek man to the point who, where he has to be relying on the Lord, but he's insecure. So when his great call comes to go and rescue the nation of Israel, he's not even confident enough to step into that to rely on the Lord. So you have two Moseses. He goes from here all the way down to here. And that's when God comes to him in the burning bush. The 80-year-old Moses who is meek and humble and has really nothing going for him, God comes to him to choose him to be the one to lead a nation out of slavery. Isn't that fascinating? Just as we talked about a few weeks ago, God is less interested in your resume and more interested in your humility. God wants to know, are you a glove that he can wear completely and use? Or are you still filled up on yourself to where he can't fill you? But when you empty yourself out just like a glove, God will fill you with his righteous right hand and use you in every capacity. The reason why some of us don't feel like we're being used by God is because we're still filled up with us. We're still full of Daniel Harris. We're still full of whatever your name might be tonight. And we have not emptied ourselves to be full of the spirit of God. So Moses gets to a point at 80 where he's quite literally empty. And God says, all right, it's time. You're going to go rescue a nation out of slavery. Moses uses the excuses. You remember when we hopped off the redemption tour to hop onto the excuses tour, and we walked through Moses' excuses. None of them stood up to God because they can't. And and Moses, obviously, we go through the 10 plagues. The nation of Israel begins coming out of slavery and begins following Moses through the wilderness towards the promised land. And now tonight... We've reached Moses giving his final sermon and his final declaration before passing the torch to Joshua to send them into the promised land. I encourage you, whatever we did not cover in this series, go back and read. Read for yourself. This is all just to to spark your appetite that you would go back and read all the different parts of Moses' testimony that maybe we didn't cover on a Monday night. But tonight I'm going to give you his testimony. And so look with me, let's look at his final sermon, one of my favorite texts in the Bible, Moses' final word. We're gonna walk through, we're gonna read the whole thing, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna walk through different parts of it, and we're gonna to pray together tonight, and that's gonna be our night. So look with me, God bless you. Look with me if you will. We're starting at verse one of chapter 30 in Deuteronomy. It says this: When all these things happen to you, the blessings and curses I have set before you. And you come to your senses while you are in all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. And you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and all your soul. By doing everything I am commanding you today, then he will restore your fortunes. Have compassion on you and gather you again from all the people where the Lord your God has scattered you. Even if your exiles are at the farthest horizon, he will gather you and bring you back from there. So just for context, let's pause for just a moment. Moses is foreseeing Israel's disobedience in the promised land, which we know, maybe you don't, but which is going to ultimately cause God's people to go into exile. Disobedience brings consequences. The consequence it brought upon Israel was exile, being driven out of the promised land. And Moses is telling them, hey, if you obey, God will continue to have his hand of favor upon you. But if you disobey God, you will find the consequences of being driven from the land, being in exile. Moses is very firm on this, that obedience brings blessings, but disobedience brings consequences. Now let me remind you, salvation is not based on what we do or don't do. Salvation is based on repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Let's get that out of the way tonight. That the only way you get to heaven, the only way you are saved is by Coming to Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins, meaning you don't just tell God your sins, that's part of it, but you give God your sins. You are literally turning away from your sin. You are repenting of it. You are giving it to God. You're saying, hey, I'm, I couldn't pay the price for this. Jesus paid the price for it when he died on the cross and rose from the grave, so I am repenting of my sin. I am turning from it when you repent. And then the Bible says, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, there's a confession And you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. That's when you will be saved. So let's get that very clear because we're going to talk about obedience and disobedience a lot tonight. You are saved the moment you repent and give your life to Jesus. And once you have that moment, that true moment in your heart, there's no question about your salvation. That's it. You know the Lord. But just as we see with the nation of Israel, just as we see with Peter in the New Testament, what we choose to do after we get saved has an impact on the world around us and our life. So when you get saved, you have the choice now to obey God and follow him or to disobey. And what Moses is going to lay out very clearly here is, hey, Israel, you as a nation have the option, you have the choice to either obey God and his hand of favor will be upon you, or you can disobey God and there will be consequences from that. And he's saying when you, when you disobey God, you'll be driven from the promised land that he has blessed you with. And that's what he's saying here. But the great thing is that Moses has said is that whenever you do, turn from the Lord and start doing your own thing. Whenever you start struggling with sin or live in a stronghold or start disobeying, there is a way out, and it's turning back to God. That's why, look with me, in chapter 30, Moses is saying, hey, when all these things happen to you, blessings and curses, and you come to your senses while you are in all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, Then he says in verse 2, when you and your children return to the Lord and obey him with all your heart and all your soul by doing everything I am commanding you today, then he will restore your fortunes. Moses is telling about the consequences, but he's also highlighting God's restoration, that God is a restoring God. How many of you know God is a restoring God? Man, there's nothing he can't restore you from. He can restore you. He will restore you if you seek after him. But restoration does not come until there is repentance. Repentance leads into the restoration of God. And that's what Moses is telling the nation. Let's keep going here. Verse 4. Even if your exiles are at the farthest horizon, he will gather you and bring you back from there. The Lord your God will bring you into the land your fathers possessed and you will take possession of it. He will cause you to prosper and multiply you more than he did your father's. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants, and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. Then you will again obey him and follow all his commands I am commanding you today. The Lord your God will make you prosper abundantly in all the work of your hands, your offspring, the offspring of your livestock, and the produce of your land. Indeed, the Lord will again delight in your prosperity. As he delighted in that of your fathers. Verse 10, though, when you obey the Lord your God by keeping his commands that are written in this book of the law and return to him with all your heart and all your soul. These next few verses are some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I think Moses is at a place where he is so much more wise than he ever was. He's had his struggles, he's had his sin, he's had his disobedience. But at 120 years old, he's thinking back on his life. Uh, I believe he's thinking back on all that he's been through, how for 40 years he was arrogant. We, we, we see in Scripture for 40 years he was a lowly shepherd. For 40 years he's been dealing with Israel, the good and the bad. And I think he is at a place now where that show reflects in Scripture, it reflects in his words, where he has come to a place of great maturity and great wisdom to be able to speak on behalf of the Lord, to give a sermon like this and to call them to a choice. And just as tonight I call you to a choice, as God calls me to a choice, as we are called to a choice, Moses, in his wisdom, at the end of his life, has perspective, and he is offering a choice to the people who he loves and cares for, who have been great to lead, but also hard to lead. And this is the choice that Moses offers them. Verse 11, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that that we may follow it. But the message is very near to you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today, I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity, For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, statutes and ordinances so that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Let me pause for just a moment. Moses is calling them to love the Lord your God. And I wanna tell you, there's some people in here tonight who are not loving God. Now, I don't know who you are, but you do. There's some people in here who, are not in love with the Lord. Maybe for you it's like giving your life to Jesus tonight, like that's the call for you is to give your life to Jesus. And some of you, it might be that you're a believer and you know Christ, but there's so many areas of your life where you are not loving the Lord because you're in love with sin. Why would you not lay that down tonight right here in this place? That the greatest call that you and I would ever have on our lives is to love the Lord our God and to walk with him. But some of you are not walking with him. Some of you have the title of Christianity, but there's so many areas of your life where you're not really living it out. Are you willing to do something about it? That's why I love this text so much, because Moses gives them a choice. And tonight I'm giving you a choice wherever you are in your testimony. Whatever small area of your life it is or whatever big area of your life it is, that you would lay it down to the Lord. Then he goes on to say, verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him. For he is your life, and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. College students, you're so young. You're so young. You are between the ages of 18 and 24, 25. And I am a few years ahead of you, not many, amen. I'm a few years ahead of you. If I can tell you anything, what I have gained from getting older is perspective. My perspective is growing and I pray for your perspective to grow. And one of the ways that it has grown is that at 20 years old, I believed life that Moses is describing here was anything except God. I believed life was popularity and money, fame, success in the world. I believed it was so many different things, gaining everything in the world. The last thing I ever would've told you it was is God's word or God's presence or Jesus Christ. That, that was not what it was for me. And some of you are so young and so still growing that you do not quite realize yet what life is. You think you can find it in the world, but you never will. I tried for so long, I tried for so many years to find life in people's opinions, to find life in a dollar sign, to find life in things that are good but can never fulfill me. And as I got older, I realized that life comes from the one who has given us life, that God created you in his image, and that he has a plan for you, and that in Jesus Christ, who all things were made for and through, that in him you can have Life but only in him, not in another person, not in a career, not in anything else. If you are looking for life, it comes from the creator and the sustainer of life. And so I pray for you tonight that you would find life. And then the last scripture I wanna read before I take you through a prayer time is 31. It says this, Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, saying, I am now 120 years old. I can no longer act as your leader. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God is the one who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will drive them out. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you as the Lord has said. Skip down to verse five. The Lord will deliver them over to you and you must do to them exactly as I've commanded to you. And then obviously there is verse six. Be strong and courageous. Say that with me. Be strong and courageous. One more time, say it with me. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave or abandon you. Moses then summoned Joshua and said to him, in sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. Say it again with me. Be strong and courageous, for you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to give to their fathers. You will enable them to take possession of it. And then verse eight. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Where I want to take you tonight in prayer, the first place I want to take you, and if you have notes, you can write down the things we're going to pray for tonight. The first thing I want to lead you to pray over is probably one of the most important things that we see in Moses' sermon. And that is family. woo we Sensitive. It's tough. Some of us don't want to pray for our family. Some of us know that our family is praying for us and we don't really want them to. They're all over the spectrum of family. But in verse 2 of chapter 30, Moses, what I love is none of us in here have kids. Some of us may have kids in here. Most of us don't have kids. But in chapter 30, Moses' great command begins with you and your children return to the Lord your God. Moses' great exhortation is to the family. How many of you know that God's design for family is the only design for family, and it's an important design in our world? Amen? Family. And so right where you are, I want to I invite you to bow your heads for a moment. And I want us to stop, and I want us to pray For family. Now for you tonight, this may be the last thing you want to pray for. This may be the thing you know you need to pray for the most. But I want to ask you for a moment, what prayers do you need to pray for your family? Can I turn your mind to your mom, dad, the one who raised you? Whoever it is that raised you, your uncle or your aunt. Some of you may be adopted. Some of you may not have a mom. Some of you may not have a dad. Some of you, I don't know your testimony, you do, but the person that raised you, the person that taught you, the person that cared for you, the person that was always there for you. See, Moses gives the command of family because Moses is at a point in his life where he understands family, where the dad goes, where the family goes, and all must walk according to the Lord, that nobody can be neglected. And so, man, for you, maybe your relationship with your mom or your dad is not good. One of the best things you can do is pray for them. So right now, maybe you just need to thank the Lord for your mom and dad and how good they are. But I want to give you a space and a moment to pray over your parents or the one who raised you. In whatever way the Lord may lead you. With your head bowed, I'll tell you, I'm 28 years old. As I continue to get older, I become more and more thankful for my parents, for my mom and my dad in ways that I wasn't as a kid or a college student, and one of the things about perspective taught me, usually I'm ripping and running and going on different trips and doing ministry and stuff. and I try to call my parents as much as I can, but I could tell that my perspective was changing. I could tell I was getting a little bit older this summer when before we left for Denver, I had this strong desire to go see my family before I went on my trip. And normally I just call them and kind of go do my thing and rip and run. But this time it was different. I, I couldn't go on my trip until I went to see my parents. And as on the drive back after seeing them, all I could think about in the car was how different that was for me to not be able to leave without going to see my parents first. And I went over there and I gave them a hug and I've missed so many moments like that along my journey. I've missed moments like that as a college student, and I didn't miss this one. (laughs) And so I went and just gave him a hug and hung out with him before we went to Denver. And I tell you, as a 28-year-old, it's hard to realize I've missed moments like that with my family. And I wish somebody would have told me when I was in your place (laughs) to slow down and Go talk to my family more. I apologize. So, tonight for you, family may be a soft spot. You may have a great one. It may be tough. I don't know. But if you'll pray for them, God will start doing a lot in your heart. If they don't know the Lord, commit every day to praying for them. If they do know the Lord, commit every day to pray for their walk with the Lord. And if they have been so good to you, don't just thank God for them, thank them. The same goes for your siblings, for anybody who you call family. Pray for them. Pray for them. The second thing I wanna call you to pray for is obedience. We see in Moses' sermon in verses two through four. He says, When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all, not part, all your heart and all your soul by doing everything I am commanding you today, when you obey, then he will restore you, your fortunes, have compassion on you, gather you from all the people where the Lord your God has scattered you. I want you to take a moment and pray now for yourself and your own obedience to Christ. Pray and ask the Lord to give you strength and wisdom to do what he has commanded you to do. As you're praying and being with the Lord, when it comes to following him and walking with him every day, Psalm 23, you know it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. The next thing I want to give you a moment to pray for is your heart. To pray for your heart. Moses says in verse six of his sermon, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. The Lord is the one who changes the heart. The Lord will strip away any junk or any idols or anything that is in your heart that doesn't need to be there if you'll come to him and ask him to. And right now I know that there are some very hard hearts in the room. If I can be frank with you, I know I don't know who you are I don't know your story, only you do. I'm, I don't know your heart, but I can tell you, I know that in a room this large, there's hard hearts in here. And maybe some of you just need to right now to pray for a circumcised heart, to pray for a soft heart, to pray for relief. I see some of you just kind of holding your hand up towards me, I appreciate you all, heads are bowed, I appreciate you, man, I'm in the same boat with you. Just prayers for a soft heart before the Lord. And whatever it is in your heart that you want him to rid or change, just pray for that right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for soft hearts in the room that you will soften hearts, you will soften mind, you will soften each of us to be used by you. The next thing I wanna invite you to pray over is the work of your hands. The work of your hands. Whether that be the physical labor you do at your job, the schoolwork you do, Or quite literally, the ministry you are doing for the Lord. The ministry work. What Moses says in verse nine, he says, the Lord your God will make you prosper abundantly in all the work of your hands. And so right now I wanna invite you, there's a few different things we're gonna do. I wanna invite you just to open up your hands to the Lord right where you're sitting. And if you don't want to, that's fine, I'm not gonna make you, but just right where you are, would you open your hands up to the Lord? You can hold them up if you want to, it's up to you. I just wanna give you a few different ways to pray. But would you open your hands right now? And whatever you're doing, whatever job, whatever school, whatever ministry, whatever it is, would you just open your hands up to the Lord and say, Lord, these hands belong to you. They don't belong to me. Say, Lord, these hands belong to you. These hands don't belong to me. Galatians 2 20 says I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me so the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me these hands that you have belong to the Lord let me ask you do you use these hands to honor him or do you use them for sin a question I have to ask myself as well would you pray for the work of your hands to honor the Lord. You can put your hands down. What I wanna lead you to pray over next is God's word. Verse 10 says, when you obey the Lord your God by keeping his commands that are written in this book of the law and return to them. If you brought your Bible tonight, I want you to grab your Bible with both hands. If you're using your phone, that's fine. I want you to take your Bible with both hands right where you are, if you're willing or your phone, your Bible app, whatever you have. And would you just pray for a moment and tell the Lord that you desire to be under the authority of his word and his word alone, that his word is the highest and greatest authority, and that you are living underneath his word completely. Would you thank him for his work? The next thing I'd like you to pray for is God's presence. I mean, some of you guys showed up here tonight and you feel like God is so far away from you. You really really do feel like God is far. You feel hopeless. You don't know how to really talk to him. You don't know really how to hear from him. Or you know how to talk to him. You know how to hear from him, but it's not a practice really in your life. It's not something you make a priority each day. And you feel like God is far from you. I love Romans chapter eight, and it says this in verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as cheap to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus Our Lord, that's Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament, what Moses says when he gives the command is this in verse 11. He says, this command that I give you today is not beyond your reach. It is not far. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven and get it for us or proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. It is not across the sea so you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. The message is very near to you in your heart so that you may follow it. Right now, college students, if I can be honest with you, God's not far from you, but some of you might be far from God. There was a time in my life as a believer where I realized God is not far from me, but I have gotten far from him. And that's why I feel the way that I do. Whatever discouragement or loneliness or hurt or pain you might be walking through, I want to tell you God's presence is the answer. But you have to make the decision to pray and read the word and focus and celebrate and rejoice in his presence that he is near to you. Whatever it is you're walking through, whatever pain or hurt you have, God is near to the brokenhearted. And so right now, can I give you a moment to pray and thank God for his presence and rest in his presence. Before I give you my last one, I want to invite you tonight to take a posture of prayer the Lord may be leading you to take. Whatever that looks like for you, it's completely up to you. If you want to pray on your knees at your seat, you can. If you want to come up to the altar and pray, you're welcome to pray here. You're welcome to pray pray right in your seat, how you're sitting. However you feel led tonight, however the Lord is laying on your heart to pray, you're welcome to. Before I give you my last thing, I want to give you a a space to change your posture of prayer if you want. It's totally up to you. And the last thing to pray for is against fear and discouragement. Some of Moses' strongest words that he offers up in his sermon to his people is he says, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. And because of that, do not be afraid or discouraged if there is a sin in your life God is calling you to repent of it and to come out of it there's no doubt about that same goes for me but if you're walking around and the enemy has you in a stronghold of fear or if he has you in a stronghold of discouragement would you pray right now and find relief and peace in Jesus Christ Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You have no need to fear. You overcome discouragement in the presence and the promises and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you have tonight, whatever fear, whatever discouragement, whatever worry, Jesus Christ relates to the temptation. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was tempted in all the ways we were, yet he never gave in to temptation. Born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life not once giving in to temptation, even when he was driven into the wilderness by the devil, even when he was tempted by the devil. He never gave in to the temptation you and I face every day, but he understands the temptation and he relates to it. And that's why he is our intercessor. That's why he is our mediator. He stands between you, me, and the Father because he knows he has lived it, he walked it fully God, fully man, And while he was on this earth, he lived a sinless life. And now as Moses has said, choose life. It's through Jesus Christ who offers you life and offers it abundantly. In him you find all you need. When you lose everything, when you lose yourself, when you lose the world, when you lose it all, in the name of Jesus, you gain everything you could ever want. The world hated Jesus. He healed people. He talked to people nobody would talk to. He loved people. He cared for people. He did miracles. He walked on water. He fed the 5,000. And he was falsely accused. He was falsely charged. And they took him to the place of crucifixion where they laid his hands out onto the wooden beams and they nailed him to a cross. And as he died, On the cross 2,000 years ago, because he was sinless, he is the perfect sacrifice, the substitute, the sacrificial lamb, to shed his blood to pay for your price. Because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And on that cross, when his blood was shed, when he was beaten and tortured and mocked and spit on, When he was hanging on that cross, when he was crucified at 9 a.m. and lifted up his spirit at 3 p.m., he paid the price for the penalty of sin. Whatever sin you have committed, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for it. It has been paid for and has been paid for in full. It has not been paid for halfway. It has not been paid for 75%. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, paid for 100% of the sin debt that you have. So when you come to Jesus Christ and repent of your sins, you are saying, hey, I'm not trusting my own blood. I'm not trusting my own life. I'm not trusting my own flesh. I'm not trusting my own works. I'm not trusting myself to save me and get me to heaven. I'm trusting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross who did what I could never do. And you find hope. Because three days later, Jesus... Showing that he was fully God, the only one who ever could, rose from the dead, came out of the tomb, alive, bodily, resurrected, giving hope to all humanity. Whoever would ask for it, whoever would choose life, means choosing Jesus, means choosing Christ above all. And he offers that to you tonight. Believer, he offers hope and refuge and restoration. Encouragement, strength, all the things. Non-believer, he offers you salvation tonight. He offers you a chance to know your maker, to know your creator, and to have all eternity with him. That's what it means to choose life. Jesus Christ did what nobody else could do. And he will not fail you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. That's why for 2,000 years, it's the same gospel that has been changing lives.